Hola, Brujas! Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze! I am one of your hosts, Angel. I'm your other host, Brandon, and this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because nothing makes sense in this chaotic universe. Except our love. Oh my god, I was thinking the same <laughs> were thing. really? Yes, honey, were, we're in really? sync. Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, we're not in sync the boy band of the 90s, but we're no. in sync to each other. We are. That's sweet. But also, we kind of are in sync the boy band of the 90s. No, we're definitely not that. Yes, we are. Uh, who would I be? Uh, I know who you're going to say. You're going to say I'm Joey Fatone. No, no one is Joey Fatone. <laughs> that's rude. Although he actually is doing very well. Yeah, he keeps going. I feel they like he's, all, the I most ad- he's the like, most adjusted. Yeah. I feel like the one I see the most is fucking Lance Bass. He's everywhere. But that doesn't mean he's the most adjusted. <laughs> no, I feel but like I he's feel living like... in like a perpetual adolescence. He's busy. Well, she's busy. Yeah. But let's not confuse prolific for profound. Okay, that's fair. Fair. Not that I'm here, like, reading Lance Bass Yeah, for I filth. know. Leave Lance alone. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> Leave Lance alone. Oh, my gosh. Uh, who are you? I'm Brandon Alter. I'm a spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and an astrologer. I'm a writer and a performer. And I am your husband. You are. And who are you? I am uh, your husband, Angel Lopez. I'm also a writer and a producer of feature films and an astrologer and teacher of all things mystical. And one of the first astrologers ever. You've been saying that a lot lately, I feel like. I just think it's really, well, I think it's funny, the idea to use your past lives as resume. I just think that's like really hilarious. But I also think it's kind of legit, (laughs) too. I mean... I like to think so. I mean, some lady told you you're one of the first astrologers. It I think, resonated. Yeah, I and think that was, that's like something cool to to flout about town. It was before I really started a studying astrology. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it because it like feels like it brings some ego into the equation. 100%. You know, like, hi, I'm Angel. I was one of the first astrologers. <laughs> well, that's why I think it's, I think we can like say it with a sense of how ridiculous it is. Right. Which is how we do everything. Yeah. But also respect it as potentially also being true. It could be true. You know, the truth is, aren't we all one of the first astrologers? (laughs) In some way. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. You listening, you could also be one of the first astrologers. Exactly. Maybe that's why. $9.99. Okay, stop. (laughs) You can... Get in touch with your own ancient astrological gifts. Our new app. Uh, can we talk about that video you showed me of the UFO that the oh, FBI huh. agreed was a UFO? What was the Pentagon? Yeah. The Pentagon? Aren't they the same thing? I mean, come on. It's all fucking the government. The government. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was some crazy shit. And apparently they're going to release like more information in June about like their report reporting on ufos and i don't believe it no i feel like they've been saying that for no i don't believe that it's actually a ufo if the pentagon is saying it's a ufo i think if the pentagon is saying it's a ufo it's probably some technology from the fucking pentagon that they're trying to like do a look over there oh i like that 
Because I just, that's how much I trust the United States government to tell us the truth about extraterrestrials. Yeah, they're keeping that one close. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I believe in aliens and I believe in UFOs and I believe they're probably here already, but I don't believe the Pentagon's going to tell us what's true. Yeah, I don't know. You know what we need to do is we need to have an episode with Taylor fucking Shirley and have him tell us what's going on with the aliens. Oh my gosh. He knows. He's done a lot of reading and research. That is very true. So if you're listening to this, Taylor Shirley. Prepare yourself. You've been, you've just been invited. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's going to be a wild conversation. Just the two of you talking about aliens. I'm going to be over here just like sipping tea. Yeah. Well, good. You'll get hydrated. I will. Um, Speaking of wild conversations, we have such a great spirit talk. Oh my God. And it's supersized because who could edit down all of that brilliance? Um, So we should like just kind of hustle through the rest of this opening so we can just get to it. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, why don't we do a check-in? You first. Uh, I'm good. I'm vaxxed. I'm waiting for peak inoculation. And I'm in this like interesting, like the world is, this like interesting interim. Like I was talking with a friend about, there was like a strange comfort in lockdown because you kind of like knew what the rules were. It's kind of like how dogs are actually like happiest in crates. Like they enjoy that sort of like safety. And now that we're kind of in this like, are we going back out into the world? It's very kind of nebulous and mercurial. And I think that brings up a lot of anxiety for a lot of people, myself included. And so I'm just kind of like exploring that liminal space between like, you're no longer in the like strict, super conservative lockdown that you were in. You're like slowly getting ready to like reemerge and re-engage and just like taking it day by day. It feels very two of pentacles. Like changing people, changing places, changing things, changing habits, changing behavior, and just allowing the balance of it. So that's where I'm at. Well, that's good. That's very concise. Thank you. Where you are. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be brief here. (laughs) You know me, I could talk about myself forever. Well, is it my turn now? Yeah. Well, hi, I'm Angel. (laughs) I'm a rainbow. Oh. And I'd like to take you through all of my colors. Cool. You've got 35 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm doing okay, actually. You know, we had the service for my dad, which um, feels like a lifetime ago. Um, But it wasn't even two weeks ago, I guess, at this point. Um, But that was a pretty transformative experience. It was a pretty powerful experience. I had the opportunity of going and speaking at the service and delivering a eulogy, um, which I was anticipating doing. Um, but just the experience of it was pretty cathartic. And I since then had to like finish essentially just like pillaging my childhood home, which is being prepared to be sold. And it's just been like, emotionally intense but also just like really purging and also freeing and i was listening to another podcast where this uh guy was talking about actually he had a similar experience his mother had passed away and he was talking how like how hard it was to say goodbye to his childhood home and um i didn't have that experience (laughs) (laughs) And it's not to say that I don't have really great memories there and I don't love my family, but I don't feel like my heart lives there anymore. Love don't live there anymore. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And I think just like, you know, having like just said goodbye to my dad in that home, it feels like just the ending of a major 
life chapter book. So I am uh, really feeling myself stepping into a very new part of my life. And I'm actually really excited for it. But I do just want to say once more, thank you to everyone. Um, I've continued to get lovely messages mm. from all of you gazers out there, all the you listeners. Are loved. And it's been so sweet and so thoughtful and really touching. And um, yeah, I'm just so, so grateful for this. You're not alone. Community. So thank you, everyone. People like you. I feel the love. I feel the magic. I have no idea why, but people like you. So this is our last episode <laughs> of The Spiritual Gaze, everyone. Thank you for sharing this time. And uh, this you know, week, an angel can't take a joke. Enjoy. Okay. Enjoy the future. Right. And tune into Angel's World, <laughs> which will be launching soon. soon oh, my soon. God. Could you die? That'd be so amazing, actually. That is so funny. All right. Maybe I'll get working on it. <laughs> but anyhow. What if it was just called The Spiritual Angel? <laughs> Like Angle? Yeah. Oh with the spiritual God. angel. I have a lot of people who spell my name Angle, so it would work. That's weird. Do you think? Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who just aren't very good spellers. <laughs> so they think Angel's probably spelled that way, and that is what it is. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, that's honestly where I've had to come to with it, because it used to frustrate me so much, because I'd be like, how do you not know how to spell Angel? You know, it's like such an obvious word. And then I was like, you know what? Some people are not that great at spelling, and that's true. It is what it is. That's true. So I can't, I can't hate on them. No, that's true. Just like some people aren't good at math. I'm not good at math. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Just walking around with a calculator all the time. What's well, two plus two? Okay. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I know what two plus two is. It's seven. All right, let's move on to a cosmic update, shall we? Yes, please. Put on your spacesuits. We're blasting off in this episode's Cosmic, Cosmic Update. Oh, 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 season yeah the sun is at zero degrees taurus welcome taurus season you're gorgeous yeah angel's really feeling his power i just want to remind all of you that you're gorgeous you're valuable you deserve to smell expensive if you so desire mm. and you're free to feel good yeah and i think uranus in taurus also means that you're beautiful and you can be beautiful in whatever way beautiful means to you Thank you. You can preach. fuck conventional ideas of beauty because they're old, outdated, and fuck, and probably conform to try to sell you something. Yes. This is the new Taurus season. I just heard the Gen Z just said that skinny jeans are canceled. Oh. Livid. Fuck that. Really? I don't care. Yeah. Skinny jeans are great. Oh, I never want to try and get into a pair of skinny jeans ever again in my whole life. I'm sorry. Butts are made to be seen, not hidden. And skinny jeans show butts. But you okay? don't need skinny jeans solely to see butts. I mean, at least like a slim jean. 
I don't need these like yeah, no, wide leg fucking carpenter jeans. Like that. Yeah, no, like no, no, nobody no. looks good in that. No, I'm not trying to like look like a raver. And I'm not talking about the skinny jeans that like you like painted on, like the ones I wore when we first started dating and like oh, I yeah. could barely breathe. I'm just saying like, I'm, well, listen, I'm just going to like show my age and I'm going to continue to wear some skinny jeans. And did they, did you hear why they were canceled? No, no. Where did you hear this? <laughs> Apparently it was in an article in the New York Times. Oh, jeez. I know. Gen Z's canceling skinny jeans. All right. Well, the, Gen Z doesn't talk to the New York Times, so they don't know. <laughs> In any uh, event, <laughs> it's Taurus season. It's Taurus season. And you know what, honey? You should wear them because fuck what else everyone else thinks yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, I'm doing wear what I'm your do. skinny jeans. I'm good. I mean, you're currently not wearing skinny jeans. No, I'm wearing some very, very short shorts right yeah, now. Yeah, and that's what I'll be wearing all of tourist season, though that is what I've been wearing probably since, I don't know, last Aquarius season. <laughs> last Aquarius season, yeah. <laughs> and we'll continue to wear through the rest of 2021. Um, but, you know, really, I think, you know, tourist season tends to get really focused on, like, its physical nature. You know, it is about, like, getting in touch with the earth and your physical being and love. And a lot of focus gets put on money, and resources. What do you got? What do you want? You know, work for it, get mm. it. And I just always want to take it back to like what's underneath all that, which is what is your worth and what is your value? And to really move through this Taurus season, like always keeping that in mind that like, oh, is this experience equal to what I know I'm worth? Is this opportunity equal to what I know? I am worth and particularly in relationships because Venus is moving through Taurus during this season. She's going to be, you had mentioned uh, Uranus being in Taurus at the end of, uh, well, this week. So right after this comes out, um, Venus and Uranus are going to meet up. So it'll be a good time to notice if somebody <laughs> you are connected to is not equal to your worth. Because it can be a sudden bye-bye. But also a sudden hello. Totally. Yeah, like I know what I'm worth. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. You Let's know. go get a drink. Yeah, I'm here for it. But you know, Uranus is so much about inspiration too, right? And Taurus is so much about creativity or has elements of that, yeah. like that artistic element. So there's real opportunity, I think, too, for just like creative inspiration. And that doesn't just have to be like in regards to like painting or writing a book, you know, like that just comes to like the paintbrush you're taking to the canvas of your life and you know, what you're, what you're putting out. Yeah. I do think that Taurus does have a reputation of being like very physically oriented, which mm -hmm. is not untrue. It is a fixed earth sign oh, for sure. And it is a season of like returning to nature, but I think it's important to remember that deep in the bowels of Taurus lives Scorpio. Yeah, And so it's actually a profoundly spiritual time. And it's really a time, I think, to like return to nature, to connect to the invisible nature beyond what we see. Mm -hmm. And we've got that full moon in Scorpio coming up next week that I think really gives us access to the side of Taurus that isn't always visible. Do you want to tell us about it? I'm sorry, what? Do you <laughs> want to tell us about the full moon in Scorpio? Where were you? Well, I'm just thinking of the fact that you know, we're starting this Taurus season off too with Mercury conjunct the sun. Mm. And 
when you have that, Mercury kind of gets a little swallowed up by the sun, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just kind of gets infused into it. And what I think is interesting about that is like, you lose the head, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, you get to just kind of like express as yourself, mm -hmm. as your inherently beautiful self, yeah. without any of the head getting in the way. Yeah, the boundaries kind of blur. Yeah. And I think like, that's a good way to just, it's a good thing to notice because you can kind of take that energy into the rest of this tour season, you know, like, thank you head. Thank you for that thought. But like, I need to continue expressing as my beautiful self mm. without getting caught up in the like mental confusion that we normally live in. And thankfully Mars is going to shift out of Gemini on the 24th. So, um, and she can bring some confusion. So we get to kind of get a little clarity though. She goes into cancer, which, um, makes her a little moody. Yeah. But it makes her sensitive Yeah, and intuitive for sure. And a little more decisive. Yes. Cause she's in a cardinal sign. Yeah. So she can kind of initiate a little bit more. Yeah. She wants to take charge. Yeah. There's definitely just like a big shift of planetary rulership happening. Mm -hmm. Like we've pretty much been answering to like Saturn in Aquarius and we've been kind of like pinballing between Mercury in Aries and Mars in Gemini. Like these are the three planets that have kind of been calling the shots. And now all of a sudden with Mars in Cancer, the moon becomes a lot more powerful. And with mm -hmm. Venus in Taurus, Venus becomes a lot more powerful. So it's like, it's like that second act of the play when like the characters that like were kind of on like the periphery actually all of a sudden get to have their stories told. Totally. And you're like, ooh, new energy. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening now. And it's like the heart comes in, mm. you know, and you know, then that full moon happens on the 26th. So you have that fresh Mars and cancer energy. And, you know, as we know, because the moon rules cancer, like you said, Mars kind of lives by the phases of the moon too. Mm -hmm. So we're all kind of like tapping into the moon and it's and it's different moods every what two to three days as it shifts yeah. signs um so you'll really feel the emotion of that full moon in scorpio of that full moon in because scorpio. mars is going to be having to answer to it yeah and you know full moons in general are always pretty emotional um mm -hmm. or have that tendency but i think because it's scorpio it's purging you know like you can really like double down on the releasing element that a full moon likes to bring with it. Yeah. And I would also add that there's an invitation to understand in order to transcend. Mm, say more. Meaning that Scorpio is also really interested in like deep psychological truth. And once we can understand the emotional patterns by which we've been operating we can then transcend them. Mm. Like you're only a victim to something so long as you are unaware of your agreeing to its power over you. And so okay. I think there's an opportunity to like observe and be like, okay, I now see what I've been doing and I'm going to release it and I'm going to choose to take my power back and I'm going to do what Scorpios do best, which is transform. I love that. Yeah. No victims here. And I mean that because in the Taurus season, when we fully embrace our true value, we don't have to accept somebody's bullshit understanding of what our value is. No. 
And what's nice is that Mercury and Venus will be conjunct on that full moon. Oh, they'll be fucking under the full moon in Scorpio? <laughs> Mercury and Venus will be fucking. Sexual. Yeah. So, you know, that's nice for some of these emotion-based Fuck connections. the pain away, baby. Yeah. Like, y- you too can be fucking. Uh, <laughs> Got to really... I, and we really lost the children. Remember back in the day when people used to like send us videos of their kids like singing along to the spiritual based oh, theme song? Well, those children no longer listen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, what does it mean, Mars and Mercury? Fuck. I mean, listen, I'm not going to censor myself. And <laughs> also, never this will. podcast is not for children. This is not a G rated show. No, it is not. <laughs> um, but anyhow, that's some cosmic tea for you all. All right, I think it's time that we get into our glorious ass spirit talk. This is the main event. Are you ready? Uh, we had the opportunity of chatting with Gabby Rivera, icon legend, joy guide, brilliant author. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, just all around amazing human being. Hilarious diva. Yeah. I um, have to give great shout out to Nick who brought us together. Thank you so much um, for hearing my call to someone in the universe to introduce me to Gabby and you did it. And uh, now we get to share this amazing spirit talk with y'all. So sit down, relax. Cuddle up. Get something delicious to eat. Pour yourself something delicious to drink. Mm. And get ready for this episode's Spirit Talk. All right, everyone. We are so excited because we have legend Gabby Rivera in uh, the spirit room with us, well, in the virtual spirit room with us today. Uh, Gabby Rivera is a Bronx-born queer Puerto Rican author on a mission to create the wildest, most fun stories ever, which I just think is a dope way to um, just approach your own uh, personal mission. But Gabby was the first Latina to write for Marvel Comics and uh, penned the solo series America about America Chavez and has a critically acclaimed debut novel called Juliet Takes a Breath um, that for the past years have been uh, finding new eyes for it, uh, new hearts for it, and most recently uh, has been released as a graphic novel, which is so exciting, just kind of (laughs) spinning the game a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Once more, uh, Gabby also is a profound speaker an advocate for LGBTQ youth, and we think just like an all-around badass. Oh my so, gosh! So, Gabby Rivera, Thank welcome. You for that beautiful introduction. <laughs> well, I stole some Straight of your words or somebody's words. So. <laughs> oh my god! No, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, there's nothing I love more than like queers and gays and talks about the universe and God and all that stuff. So this is like. I don't know. I'm coming full circle right now with you both. Oh, well, here we go. We're just going to dive right into the cosmos with you, Gabby. Let's do it. All right. So I want to start by asking you, in Julia Takes a Breath, which we're both obsessed with. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and you have spoken about how it does have some autobiographical roots. There's a moment where Juliet talks about an experience with meeting God when she was younger. And I just want to jump right into the deep end of the spiritual pool wheel, <laughs> pool yeah. here. We're not waiting into this one. And just ask you, was there a moment in your life where you felt like you came face to face with God? Oh, man. And what was she like? <laughs> Listen, I rarely, I rarely get to talk about this, right? Because a lot, most of the time, people of color want to talk about, like, the identity and, like, the... Juliet being Puerto Rican and like her finding herself and her queerness and her family. White people always want to talk about like how they saw themselves and Harlow and <laughs> all this stuff. And so, you know, usually it just gets like plucked apart um, for the identity moments, right? And so this is a real treat to talk about the like spiritual moments, you know? Um, and I wrote like the first couple of drafts of Julia in my early 20s. And in your early 20s, you're still so much of like a teenager. Everything feels so big and so real. And your recollections of your childhood are so strong and so vibrant still. Um, and so in the moment where Julia is talking about meeting God and sharing that, um, that is definitely related to a moment in my, like, I guess, t middle school tween years, at least like 10 or 11, right? Like right at the cusp of still being a little kid and like dipping into adolescence. I, w I grew up in a Pentecostal evangelical Protestant church. So holy rolling, like Bible thumping, tambourine <laughs> jangling, um, catch the spirit body to the ground kind of church, you know, like, and so there was this moment where it was like teen worship or totally. something. <laughs> and I was there, right. I was there with all the other like kids, little teenagers, older teenagers, and yeah, man, like I remember being, it's crazy because, you know, all the chairs have, uh, all the churches have those fold out chairs or at least in like urban environments in the Bronx, they have the like aluminum fold up chairs. And I remember being on my knees on the chair, like arms raised, praying to God. Right. And I felt God mm. everywhere. I saw God I was like in it, whatever that state is, whatever that like crossover into the divine space is when you are praying and everyone around you is praying, I definitely was there. And it was so tremendous to me as a kid. Like I felt completely at peace, completely enveloped in this white, like glowing golden light transcended beyond like the church realm and into this other realm and it felt so good and then I really distinctly remember a pastor woman in my ear being like you need to praise him with your voice open your mouth and praise God and it like shook me out of this moment and like she was mm. chastising me right like essentially like cutting, severing that bond. And I remember just feeling so like 
gutted and like that was the one of the beginnings of like me not wanting to go to church anymore because the one thing that like I'm there to do (laughs) became once again like this source of like somebody trying to control it right somebody trying to tell me the right way to praise God or the right way to be a Christian or be a good girl or like all this stuff but but again in my recollections of the moment right when it happens like you couldn't tell me that I wasn't in the Mm. presence of the divine like that was like it wasn't just a little kid moment it wasn't nothing like that like I was there I was in it um and I've always thought about that I've always thought about that moment because I just haven't ever been in that state again. You know, like I have felt humbled. I have felt um, held like if I've been in a church, I feel that presence of God. But like the way that it was in that moment as a kid, like I have never felt anything like that again. Have you tried? Because I feel like this is something that happens when we have profound spiritual experiences is we want to recreate it, right? It's almost like a drug and we're like, I want that high again. I'm as guilty as this, of this as anyone else. And I don't even think it's a bad thing, right? Like you get a taste of divinity and you're like, I want to spend more time there. Have you tried to get back there? Um, no, not intentionally. I mean, there is a connection, a sustained connection to the universe, to the divine that I feel now as an adult that is like really beautiful um, and consistent. And I haven't tried to do that particular thing again, but I do know, like I said, when I go into churches, right, just the church itself, like I will sometimes feel that like quiet magic, you know, or, and when I am like with queer people now invested in other elements of spirituality, like astrology, tarot cards, like I can feel that connection. But I haven't done the whole like <laughs> arms in the sky. Well, we can do it right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, feeling compelled. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I'm curious because I heard you say, you know, that was sort of my beginnings of wanting to step away from the church or pull away from that. How was that process for you? I mean, um, growing up in a, a family that it was so steeped in it. Right. I mean. <laughs> as much as you want to go there the simple, you guys are asking the easy questions right now right that's what it is jump, jump right <laughs> oh off my God. don't worry we'll ask you what your favorite color is later yeah. lord um you know churches can be terrifying yeah. for queer candidates right like it's this place where you go that everyone you love is there. Everyone is meeting together for like this love of a deity, right? This love of other people worshiping the way that they do. You build community. And then like, for me, it's like, you get these moments where things don't feel right. Like why um, should all the girls be wearing skirts? Why is it that, woman must obey man like why is it that maybe off and on the pulpit you hear like 
man should not lay with man. You know, there's like little moments, right? And it's not, it's not always as, as like, it's not just like the biblical interpretations of, of anti-homosexual statements. It's like the culture. So all the girls are wearing dresses. All the men are wearing suits. So right away, there's this like expectation of gender and you should conform to the gender around you. And then gender is also tied to connection to the divine. So if you follow this particular gender role, you are living into your uh, prescribed role that God wants you to be, right? And any deviation from that is like against God. So automatically for me, that was like, well, I'm literally like a tomboy. I'm literally like having body issues, right? Because I didn't know the words for body dysmorphia. I didn't have words for gender presentation. It's like, why am I the only one that wants to wear pants? Why does wearing dresses make me feel like I want to rip my, my whole body apart? You know what I mean? Like, so church enforces that. Church also enforces the notion of like, this is what a family looks like, right? Like you have the mother, you have the father, you have the children. This is the true way of God. And again, sexuality is now like placed in this like sacred canopy, right? This divine protection of straightness. And so in all the ways that I'm like, oh, this girl at church is cute. Like my first girl kiss was a girl from church. (laughs) You know, like then all of a sudden it's like, where's the room? You keep hitting up against all these things and all these people that are telling you, you are not what God wants you to be. And you're just like, fuck this. Like, why do I want to come here? You're telling me that God loves me no matter what. And God made me in God's image. And then all of a sudden there's this caveat and it doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, so it's like, it starts at that young age, you're a teenager, you're trying to figure yourself out. And here are all these blocks. Here are all these like rules that tell you that like these people want you to know that God doesn't want you. Like, and it's all yeah. a big lie. No, I totally relate to that. I grew up Catholic and had some very similar experiences. And at 13, just kind of went, you know what? I'm done with this. And it was an experience of, you know, being in this classroom setting and having someone speak directly to us saying, homosexuality is a sin and you will go to hell. And I actually watched this, this young girl who was in the class with me get up and walk out and who's like she was like the first activist that i ever experienced i think you know and i remember seeing one of the like i guess like a junior priest i don't know how they decided but they walked out after her and i saw them arguing in a hallway and i wasn't even paying attention to what the person in the front was saying because i was just watching them and i remember watching her just like leave and i was like i want to be with her like that's my friend you know like and and actually like calling my mom and telling my mom to come pick me up and say, I'm done here. Cause this doesn't feel like it's my space. Um, wow. And thankfully I had, oh, I had a mother who was like, all right, I will, I will let you do what you want to do. Um, but I know that's obviously not the case for everyone. And um, 
it can be a challenging space to navigate because you do feel these moments with some sort of divine being, some divine connection. So then it becomes a, you know, your own singular path toward figuring that out. Yes. So were there some touchstones for you then beyond that, that were kind of your, you know, for you like, Oh, totally. I mean, listen, 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 listen. Like, there's also like a maleness oh, to church, yeah. right? Where it's like all these men telling you what to do, which is like my <laughs> least favorite situation. Preach. <laughs> Preach. Same. You know, and then there was a scandal in the church where the preacher was like caught not only embezzling, but like having affairs with married women in the church. And once I hit, heard about all of that, like 13, 14, I was like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> Like, how dare you? Like, how dare you? And how are we so constantly hypnotized by men speaking that we fail to see that they are just as flawed as everybody else and have no particular special quality that is making them lead us to any sort of divine anything? I was just so, like, like, you know, there is a commandment about thou shalt not like commit adultery, right? Like speaking of God, there's commandments. There's nothing in those commandments about don't be gay, mm -hmm. but there's a whole lot of those commandments that these preachers and these church people recklessly disobey at every turn. And so to me, it was also like, and you don't follow your own rules. You want to like, shit on the gays right and and the gender non-conforming folks and trans people but you don't follow your own christianity and that's like a huge issue for me too where it's like yo jesus was about service right like how is it that all of christianity and catholicism are so hyper focused on gay people and not on the acts of service um that jesus preached about like Jesus is always like, bring the children unto me. So where are all the church services dedicated to like helping local children and helping foster kids um, find homes and, 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 and healing those broken homes, right? And getting services to families. Where are all of those initiatives? You're so obsessed with gays, right? But like, where are the services that help families get food and, 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 and housing? Like, how come mega churches aren't invested in that? Like it, the hypocrisy just like boggles my mind sometimes. Like why you so totally, you know? <laughs> but it's such a like, you know, because they're padding their pockets with that money. They're supposed to go for those things. And then they're like going, look over there, you know, to the gays, <laughs> the gays you know? And then, yeah, you know, I, I, it just, that was like the continued, progression like it became less about like oh this place doesn't accept me I'm not going to be a part of this and more like this place has its priorities completely out of whack like it, it's not in line with what a helpful like loving institution or community gathering should be about you know and that that is a generalization. I know a lot of churches that do mutual aid and do come together for communities. I, I would just feel that they aren't as plentiful 
as they should be. And they aren't as vocal as the churches that are like, yeah, I was going to say like, they're not, they're not the ones that are, you know, the, the churches sort of marketing themselves to be, you know, it's like, that's not the main headline. And, and I do know there are progressive churches out there and there are a lot of sort of churches that are like queer people come like we love you and that's yeah, beautiful yes, yes, and yes. this isn't to disparage the entire system <laughs> you know but it is like you know an experience and it growing up it it turns you off it shifts you but you know it's it's beautiful to hear that you have found your way to a what is your own beautiful relationship with the universe? I'm curious, what does that, what does that look like to you? How does that, how does that feel? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, at one point in like 17, 18, I was really young. I was just like, no, 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 no. God made me in God's image. So I'm a divine child of the universe. And it was like done. Like, you can't take that from me. And it fits across every religion and every belief system. Like, and I truly like believe that for all of us, the worst of us and the best of us, like we are divine children of the universe. And because of that, we deserve to take care of ourselves, each other and live each day as good as we can, you know, like, and in connection with each other. Um, and just that holding on to that kept me tethered to this earth. Holding on to that is what also pushes me to like open up myself and engage in the community and like, you know, do what I need to do to, to survive all of this. Right. Like I, I, I just feel like there, there is so much beauty in this world and in also recognizing that like divinity in each other. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when you're talking about this stuff, oh, it gets yeah. so big and you're just like, we are the universe. Yeah. But what I hear you saying is a practice of like seeing divinity everywhere, which I think is really practical actually, and also really profound. Even in what you say about everyone is a divine child, not just those that are gorgeous and who present in ways that are traditionally positive, but even those that we would consider right. really problematic and practicing how to see the God in them. Are there any other practices or I want to say portals, because obviously <laughs> we're going to talk about portals at some point because of your yes. superhero, but are there other <laughs> portals to the divine that you find yourself using to stay connected? Yes. I mean, so I grew up in an evangelical household, um, but my mother's family was, uh, they were big practice. Uh, my mother's family was deep mm. into Santeria. Um, and so that stuff scared her as a kid, which is why she like converted to Christianity. And like, I totally, we've had conversations about all that stuff. Um, and she wishes she hadn't been so scared as a kid because she wishes she could have held on to some of those traditions. Um, so for me, part of trying to reconnect to that is like just meditative practices, you know, like lighting my candles, putting pictures of my relatives on an altar that you see behind me, like 
Um, I have a set of beads that I was was gifted to me by these Hawaiian healers, right? As uh, like POC mentor educator folks. And so I like have those blessed, prayed over them. And so there are just different elements of spiritual practices that I engage in regularly to keep my mind right and my spirit right, you know, like that prayer, that moment to like be on my knees or sitting on the ground and like asking for protection and asking for forgiveness and giving thanks and just speaking my love and my goals into the universe. Like that is grounding me and that is centering me. And that also helps with my anxiety and it helps me like just center myself, you know? Beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm like, so just like (laughs) moved by being able to have this conversation and, you know, I mean, because queer people don't always feel like they have the, I want to even say like the right to like find paths toward feeling good. They've been like so wronged, right? Like so hurt by culture, by society, by some by their families, by the government, by so many things. And then also to look at the, like from like the Latinx perspective too, of like, you know, there's a lot of pain there, you know, there's a lot of celebration and joy and all of these. And we'll talk about that, those aspects, but you know, I think it can be hard for people particularly from certain communities um, who haven't been um, as honored in society uh, to find their way to this. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of it is like machismo and patriarchy. There are for some reason, specifically men who anoint themselves to be the gatekeepers of your access to divine joy. And that is like something that needs to be obliterated because no one is in charge of that. Like no one can truly block you from that. Like divine joy is your birthright. It is your spiritual, right? Like it is something that is always, always available to you and, and, and should be like honored and celebrated. Right. And that's one of the things that I find so upsetting is that a lot of queer people are like pushed back. They do feel like, um, completely severed from that divine joy because of the actions of, of church folks and preachers and pastors and whoever else, you know, but, but yeah, like reclaiming and reconnecting to that divine joy in community and on our own, like there's so many portals, there's so many pathways, like, oh my God. And then, and then the ways that we do find that community Church folks want to demonize that too. Like, don't do right. tarot cards. That's Satan. Don't listen to Little Nas X. <laughs> I mean, no, no, it's so true. It's ridiculous. Well, I want to ask you about your relationship with the tarot and astrology. Do you do you pull cards for yourself? Do you use them in your creative practice. Yes. My absolute like life changing uplifting deck is the next world tarot deck by Christy. If you don't know, Christy road is a 
queer punk Cuban artist rock star who created this deck of cards by doing like 180 portraits of queer trans magic makers, activists, artists. Um, and then <clears throat> this accompanying book is just written in queer mm. prophecy, right? Like it's gorgeous language. Um, and so this deck is the deck that started me like on the path of like reading my cards and just checking in. It's almost like you are blessing yourself and you are pausing and meditating on like your next moves, you know? And yeah, so like just me on my own, right? Just me on my own reading, uh, learning, picking the cards, offering intention and energy like has been so fruitful and so gentle and a, such a beautiful practice. Is there a card that you feel like you're really embodying these days? Yes, but um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the name of it. It might be like the child or something. It's this one card that has like a little kid sitting in sunshine. And of course, now that I'm looking for it, I might not be able to find it, but that's the card that is like my favorite. It's just this little kid sitting up and looking at the world. I wonder if it's um, in the traditional tarot, the sun card is like. Oh my gosh, y'all, it's oh the sun yeah. <laughs> That's how we do things here. Yeah, that is how we do things here. You see? Oh, yeah, it's the, the sun. sun. <laughs> uh, the well, sun. the way you are seeing yourself is the way the world is seeing you too, okay. because you are such a joy guide. And the sun is such a card about embodying joy and stepping into the light. Like that's how you come across in your work, in your interviews as somebody that really tries hard. And I would say like, is a joy warrior and even your podcast, you know, joy uprising. There's a sense that like, it's something you got to fight for, you know, like there's a revolutionary quality to seeking and living in joy. And I can only imagine that that was not easily won, right? <laughs> hitting it you know you're one of the first people to say that by the way I think especially for folks uh coming up in a lot of privilege they imagine that like you can just be joyful right and it's like part of your brand which I fucking mm -hmm. hate that word brands because you know people used mm -hmm. to get branded and so I hate that word. Um, but yo, like <laughs> the joy that I honor and call to myself and want to share with others has definitely been hard won. Um, I spent the majority of my 20s in much despair. Um, I was in like abusive relationship and substance abuse issues, like big issues with like depression and uh, suicidal ideation. Um, I did not imagine that I would live past 25. And I'm sure that in some ways you two can relate, like the picture of LGBT, there wasn't even a cue yet, the LGBT mm -hmm. folks, when we were coming up was like, well, you either get AIDS because you're gay or you live in the street 
you are shunned. Like there's so many elements swirling in my life where I was like, I don't think I'm meant to survive this, right? Like Audre Lorde's litany of survival, that piece is like, we were not meant to survive this. And I just spent so much time wishing I wasn't here, praying that I wasn't on this earth, praying that I wasn't the way that I am, gay, uh, queer, genderful, gender nonconforming, fucking fat, like what all of these things, right? Like, and, and, and then as a queer person, you experience disproportionate, like for me, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't find employment. I never, I, I just felt like I was being pushed out of everything. The more my gender presentation changed, do you know how it is to go from like, when you look quote unquote, like a woman and everyone is nice to you, to going to looking like a butch and all of a sudden you're treated like shit. People don't, like it's so, it's so simple, but like holding the door open for somebody, Man. that's gone. Sitting next to them on the bus and having a little conversation, that goes out the window. Like I just simple shit changed and it just felt like, oh, nobody wants me here. I am that thing that everybody is disgusted by and made uncomfortable by. Like, that's me. I'm, I am this horrible uh, creature person. You know, I spent many years feeling like also disembodied, you know, like um, I'm not supposed to look this way. Everyone's reaction to me is because I am wrong. And like the ache of that and the weight of that compounded with abuse and substances and lack of employment and, and feeling like a completely uncertain future was enough to like make me feel like I just wasn't going to make it. Whether through my hand or the universe, like there was no life to be had. Queer people couldn't get married. I didn't see us having babies, raising families, like, or even like successfully having a job, you know? Like I, I didn't see that, especially if you couldn't hide it like me, like I can't hide. <laughs> I'm a fucking dyke march in every room <laughs> I walk into, you know, like, <laughs> so, so that, oh man, even talking about it, that like, was a darkness that I don't wish on anybody. And like, when I lost my best friend, when she died suddenly, and she was like the only other queer Latina, like activist that I knew, I wasn't even in my path yet. I was just some party kid who wrote poetry, right? Like when I lost her, everything just like crumbled all around me. And like nothing else mattered when she died. So the abuse and the substances, I left those situations. I like shook myself up and down and was like, who do you wanna be? You have to be somebody. 
she can't have like died in vain, you know? Who do you want to be? And so that was like the turning point of like looking for joy and 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 desperately wanting to share it with other people because I needed a reason to hold on. I needed a reason to stay. And in doing that, remembering that so many of us need those reasons. So many of us need someone to just like hold on to. A book, a, a song, a person, a, a, a movie, whatever it is, like the more beauty that we share in this world, the more intentional offerings, books that say your queerness is beautiful, your body is beautiful, we need you here. Like living and, 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 and seeding the ground with that joy is like just how I stay alive. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can certainly um, find pieces of myself in that. And I'm sure people who are listening can find pieces of themselves in some of that as well. Um, and it is so important, right? That like, to know for those out there who are also like hitting their darkest spot, to know that there is reason to move toward joy and to that your your voice yeah. your experience your life does matter yes listen and like every there are so many times i think once also i hit 30 i was like i'm alive oh my right. god and it's good and i'm just gonna keep going with this living thing because <laughs> you know like it's like oh my god okay i am living into this queerness, into this magic. Um, and slowly but surely, I always feel like culture is like 50 steps behind <laughs> yeah, the gate, you least. know, like at least, at least, right? 50 steps behind the queers. Um, and so it's like, there's so much life. There's so much beautiful life. And all the people um, that are pulling you down are usually people that have been incredibly hurt are usually people that have not been able to find the peace and find their joy and their happiness. Right. And so learning specific tools about being able to say, Hey, um, you're hurting me. Then you can live your life over here. I will live my life over here. I'm allowed to set boundaries. I'm allowed to put myself first. When I talk to young people, the biggest question, I, uh, the number one of the number one questions I get is like, how do I tell my parents I'm gay and what do I do about their reaction? And I'm always like, well, tell them, tell them however you want. You don't even have to tell them, but tell them however you feel comfortable in a place that makes you feel safe, right? Get your, you know, get your support system in place. You know what I mean? And also... Once you tell them, you don't have to do any more work. That is not your journey. That is not your, you do not have to make your church love you. You do not have to teach your mom and dad about uh, queerness. If they love you, they will go on that journey on their own. And you can participate in some ways and be vulnerable, share yourself. But those institutions and those people, they got to work to be in your life. 
you know, and, and you get to like switch that perspective and be like, no, I am a magical, like fruity deity. And if you want to be in my realm, you have to learn how to worship me. You know what I mean? Like that energy, I want to like, I give it to all the kids. I'm like, no, it took me so many years to learn that here. <laughs> you are great. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Like you're doing just so fine. dope because it is like, I feel like, yeah, it, it's easy to just come from like an apologetic place, right? Like when you're queer, you're like, I'm sorry for being me. And to, to just like instill that initially of like, I'm excited to be me. Are you coming along or not? Like, that's the hope, right? Yeah. To come from that place every day. Yo, and listen, and I want to say to like older queer folks, older lesbians, older gay men, older LGBT folks that are very much like in their gender, right? Like in their cisgender energies, like open up, open up to the possibility that there are other genders, that there are other presentations, there are other ways to be a lesbian that like, like these boundaries and these like, like these negative energies that we're sharing with the younger generation because we don't understand these things is limiting us and is hurting them. And it's a, a war that I think is happening on the internet. It's a, an issue that's happening in our different communities where it's like the younger generation feels like the older generation doesn't want them. And the older generations of queers feel like mm -hmm. they're being erased by the younger generation. And I think spiritually, we need to come together and talk about how that is not the case. That can't be how we do this. We cannot treat queer kids um, and all their identities and expressions the way that our families and our churches yeah. have treated us. That has to stop. Today yes. on the spiritual gaze. Proclamation. Well, I'm just so <laughs> struck to that story you shared about that pastor shaking you out of your connection with the divine. And I just think that we're seeing that as a symbol in this conversation about all the ways queer people are being kept from their own divinity, their own queer magic, right? The church is like, no, no, no. Like, don't find your own way to God, goddess, the universe. Like, you need us, right? These gatekeepers, when you can be your own gatekeeper. So I want to ask you, Yes. and this is a question that we like to ask a lot when we get to sit across from somebody who is queer and magical, but as somebody who penned a queer superhero, like what superpowers do queer people possess inherently? Like, what is that queer magic? How would you start to speak to that? <laughs> oh my gosh, we have the power to just like reimagine yes. the whole universe. And make it exactly, like we get to push people forward and like redefine mm. what is sex mm. and family and pleasure and love and what is true, what is valuable, like, I mean, <laughs> that is our superpower, right? Like, we are the embodiment of all the things, you know? Like, if you are gender full, that means you get to experience the wonder of all these different genders with insight for everyone, right? If you are, like, pansexual and you get to love all people, then you have insights that other folks don't have. And it's like the majority, they're not the experts on a lot of things. But I feel like us as queer people, because we have to experience the world so differently, our perspective is like just so full of value and so full of love and care. And, you know, 
also like freshness, mm-hmm. right? And like attitude and um, the that rawness, you know what I mean? Like I never want to sugarcoat queerness so much that we forget about our like magic mm-hmm. in our kink and the magic in our like, Yes. Wildness. Yes. <laughs> Magic in our king. Yes, I know. I'm living for that. You know? fault in our, our stars. I know. I love yes. it. <laughs> there's no difference between, like, there's no difference to me in seeing a proud gay person, literally an assless chaps, sashaying down Seventh Avenue, right? And then there is like a mm-hmm. priest in a church in some cloaked garment. Both of those entities. Um, are imbued with their own fire and their own magic. Like, yeah, we don't do respectability queerness either. Right. <laughs> well, the whole assimilation that, uh, that I think a lot of queer people are also strongly encouraged to adopt just to experience a little bit yeah. more grace and ease in their day-to-day life. Yeah. Or as my therapist calls them, the rainbow capitalists. Right. This. <laughs> <laughs> the sense of like, well, we just want to be like everybody else. But what you're saying is our superpower is that we're not like anybody else. And and since we started kind of with Christianity, I always want to say, if you're really like holding on to Christianity, like you got to read the Gospel of Thomas. You got to read and look into the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. There are all these other Gospels um, that like actually talk about what Jesus said and what Jesus did that like connects to this grand view of queerness and divinity. Um, In the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus talks about how like anywhere you go and anywhere you are is Mm. the house of God. And like, that also means that divine, that divine Mm. is in us, you Mm. know? And so like, it may sound like Gabby's talking all this hippie (laughs) wild stuff, but I did my little time in like theology <laughs> studies and I, I did half a semester in seminary. I read those texts, you know what I mean? And like, there is magic in there that patriarchy has kept us yeah. from. That capitalism yeah. from the early mm-hmm. Romans, right? Because they were trying to take over everything. Keep us from our power. Us, right? So, yeah. yeah, and keep us from our power. So if you really want to dig in there, you don't ever have to get rid of like Christianity completely. There is beauty in so much um, of the messages, but just dig deeper, you know, it's okay. Well, speaking of digging deeper, I know Angel and I want to talk to you about ancestors because that's something that is really meaningful in our own personal spiritual practice. And I love that we get to see your little ancestral shrine behind you and you also talk about the ancestral <laughs> realm, you know, in your comic book and, and the power yeah. of the ancestral <laughs> realm. And so I just wanted to just open up a conversation with you about like, how do you work with your ancestors? Who are your ancestors? What magic do they bring? What do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> I love this. You are bringing up all the things that <laughs> hey, I love talking about. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> If you haven't read the America Chavez series yet, that is okay. There is plenty of time in your life to do that. Now is a good time. In volume two, we go into America's just like Mm -hmm. her origin story. And one of the things, right, 
I consider myself uh, a child of the diaspora, right? Like my grandparents left Puerto Rico to come to the US for the American dream, right? And underneath that is US policies in Puerto Rico at that time, making it difficult for Puerto Ricans to have employment, to hold on to their natural resources. Um, at a certain point, it was even illegal to like wave the Puerto Rican flag because of US um, imperialism, right? And so there's all this like energy of getting pushed off the islands. Um, so when I'm looking through my ancestral like histories, right? And I see my grandmothers, I'm like, but what was really happening? What was really going on in the islands, right? And what was the island like even before that when it was just like, you know, Tainos, right? And other tribal folks and other indigenous folks before Columbus. We have no, like, not that we have no, but a lot of it has been lost. A lot of it hasn't been preserved. I don't know those histories. How incredible would it be to see all of that? That was the idea for the ancestral plane, right? Like if you are a person who is descended from uh, folks that were enslaved, the Atlantic slave trade and, and, and just the general huge diaspora, what would it be like to see your history as it was? Not from the point of view of the conqueror or the colonizer, um, not from the point of view of people who value capitalism and, and land stealing, but just as it was. What a gift. God. That's why in, 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 I can only do it in a sci-fi comic because I was like, I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was some portal we could like tap on and then there it is, you know? And so, so that truth is really important to me. And when I'm thinking about honoring my ancestors, I start with my grandmothers. I add in my tias, my friend that passed away. Like um, I pray to Audrey Lord and Sylvia Rivera. Yes. Like I, I call in yeah. my prayers, the queer ancestors, you know, like Bayard Rustin, mm -hmm. James Baldwin, like folks whose work and whose lives we're in the service of making this world a better place for everybody, right? Like that is the thing a lot of folks don't understand when you work in service of uh, black people, indigenous people, queer people, trans, genderful people, you are literally making the world better for everybody. You know, and I talk about ancestors a lot because young people especially also feel very much alone the internet made us think that the kids would be totally fine, right? And they are, but a lot of it is still like, there's still a lot of isolation. There's still a lot of fear. There's still a lot of like kids that don't know who the queer ancestors are. Um, and it's up to us to keep reminding and keep offering the like seeds of knowledge and offering the like <laughs> cookies of queerness right like here this is this is Sylvia Rivera here this is the movie Pariah here this is I watched but I'm a cheerleader with my partner and uh her child who is also embracing queerness and her child was like oh my god I never heard of this movie and it, <laughs> and it's like such a classic you know 
just because you have the internet doesn't mean that you don't need like queer folks like guiding and loving you. Yeah, I think that was one of the first movies I saw that was like that was so queer that I saw like on my own and was like, oh, I know this. But yeah, it's so <laughs> it's so easy, to, especially in this world, to like feel disconnected from anything. Um, and there is such a focus on where you're headed, you know, productivity consumerism, capitalism, that it can become really challenging to root yourself, to ground yourself in where you've been, where you've come from, um, and the power that comes with that. And I think, you know, what comes from also that connection with ancestry is greater depth of authenticity. Yeah. Our authenticity is a living organism. We keep changing and growing. How do you allow that in yourself? How do you respect your authenticity when who you are today is different than who you were yesterday? Wow. I mean, I, it's just a lot of like mm. gentleness and mm. race. Uh, my identity and my presentations have evolved and have changed so much. And it's always like taking time to like be with yourself and accepting all of those moments and those beats um and doing what you can like to change it how you need it right like if you need to change your body change it if you need to um put on different clothes or like study something else or you know whatever pierce something oh my god or get a tattoo <laughs> on your whole face like whatever the thing is that's going to help you love yourself throughout the day and like look at yourself in the mirror with love that's the thing that mm. you have to do um and no one can tell you otherwise as long as you're not like harming anybody else or harming yourself right um and i don't know living in your authenticity i'm like there's a part of um internet culture that maybe doesn't necessarily want you to right like they want to be that perfect influencer they want you to always have the right filter like look at little like poor i hate to even say it, but poor little chloe kardashian losing oh, her right. mind yeah. over a picture and i'm just like girl you have always looked yeah, just fine <laughs> but it's like it, it's that that is this pressure um this this is tied to patriarchy it's tied to body shaming it's tied to gender right like this expectation to look feel act behave a certain way like when you let go of that when you untether yourself from that which harms you your life changes completely and there's no i can never go back i would never go back to trying to fit into any of that and i hope that all the people who feel ungodly amounts of pressure to stay chained to those things like mm, free themselves mm -hmm. well it makes me think you created this amazing character juliet who is going through that process you know you know going through the, some of the stages of that freeing were you had you gone through that i know it's semi-autobiographical so did, had you gone through that process yourself and were putting that into it or were you also kind of going through that process as her story I was came alive. Through it. Wow. Listen, yeah. Juliet was written well. My best friend was alive and while she died, while I was in abuse, being abused, and recovering from abuse, 
while I was engaged in substance issues and then recovering from substance issues, like Juliet is the beautiful, like messy magic, right? It's what I wanted and what I needed at the same time. Um, I was exhausted by portrayals of Latinas as either solely uh, cleaning folk, um, gang members, um, pregnant teens, right? Like there's nothing wrong with those narratives. Those are all parts of our family member stories, our stories, but for that to be the sole narrative for portrayals was exhausting and sad. And I was exhausted, like we talked about earlier, portrayals of queerness as a um, uh, beginning to the of an end because you're gonna die because either you're gonna get a disease or someone's gonna quote unquote rightfully harm you. Um, and so with Juliet takes a breath, I was like, no. <laughs> No, Julia Milagros Palante is going to be 19. She is going to be chubby. She is going to love herself. She is going to have a blast making out with girls. She is going to be loved. And, and just because there's not going to be some completely wrecking coming out scene where the whole family throws her into the street mm -hmm. like trash. No, we're gonna have a nuanced reaction to this. And their reaction to her coming out isn't gonna set the tone for the rest of her journey. She gets to set that tone and be magic and fall in love with herself over and over again. Um, it was me crying out for that, demanding that, and also having a fucking blast writing that story. You know how many times I, I laughed? <laughs> <laughs> I hope as many times as I did. <laughs> Listen, I went through like two girlfriends writing that book and the second girlfriend who was just such a, a, a light would come in and be like, I never imagined that a writer would be laughing so much <laughs> like at your own, you're a dad. Essentially, you're a dad laughing at your own jokes. Like... <laughs> And, and that's what I, I wish for everybody, that you enjoy what you are doing so much and you view it as such a like delightful offering that it tickles you at every turn and it makes you feel your own magic, you know, like, and, and, and circling back again to the moment of divinity, I put that in the book because it felt so big and important to me um, to have a moment in a queer story that was like a beautiful moment about God and, and that queer kid like connecting. Mm. That when she is having a love moment with a girl, she feels that it reminds her of divinity and, and the presence of God. That's what it felt like the first time I kissed the girl, that everything was right in the world and that it was gonna be okay. It didn't feel scary and bad. Like it felt amazing. And so, yeah, that, that all had to be in there. Reading your book was so nourishing, Gabby. It really just, it was like a hug, you know, like before I even knew you, I felt you in that book. 
And it's such an avatar of you and your love and your joy and your queer magic. Listen, I'm so glad. Let me tell you, I wrote that book, like a whole stereotype, unemployed, <laughs> depressed lesbian. And, my mother <laughs> and I remember praying um, when it was, I was finally about to indie publish. I prayed and was like, God, let this book just give me one opportunity, just one opportunity for employment, one opportunity. And Juliet has brought the whole world to me, like brought me America Chavez, brought me Marvel, brought me BB Free, brought me like to California, to comic shops across the country, to people's kids cosplaying as America Chavez and like her grandmother and just this whole other world. Like, I have been so blessed, you know, I have been so blessed by Juliet and um, by everyone who has read her, like, yeah. Okay, I just have to ask, it's a little thing, but I'm really curious, and maybe you've answered this elsewhere, but why Juliet? Just the name Juliet, what does that spell, and why is that her name? Yeah, you knew <laughs> with the questions, you are like, I'm, I'm loving it, I'm loving this. So her name is so intentional, right? So it's Juliet Milagros Palante. And with Juliet, for, it was always Juliet. So I, I, the original impetus, I don't know. It was just always Juliet. But then when I thought about it, I was like, I am going to canonize her. The only other famous Juliet is Romeo and Juliet. So I'm going to put this character up there with the Shakespearean characters and give her a name that people are always going to remember and are always going to associate with the like greatest elements of quote unquote greatest elements of literature. Right. And so Juliet for Juliet, Romeo and Juliet, Milagros, because she is a miracle in her queerness and her fatness in her joy. Um, and then Palante, which is not a last name, right? It is a contraction of para adelante. And that's like a Puerto Rican, but also like Caribbean, Latin American, like rallying cry um, to always move forward. We will always, it's like Palante, uh, siempre Palante, always moving forward. Um, and I, I was like, that is going to be her last name because she is a movement. She is a revelation. Um, and now, because of that, there is a queer family in this world that changed their last name to Palante. And in this moment, there is a baby, Zion Palante, who is like the manifestation of all that joy and all that prayer. And when that family reached out to me, I felt like something was mm. complete. I wish I had better words, but something in that moment was like, oh man, like that ancestral circle in this moment yeah. is complete. Like Juliet has done her work and then some and will continue to. And like, also yeah. this is enough. Yeah. That's some ancestral healing right there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I do feel yes. like her story has like just begun too. That's my guess. Listen, I just submitted my screenplay. So hopefully Julia will be a movie. We got the audio book that I finally was able to record. And that's coming out. Juliet, man, is in her yes. in her zone. America Chavez belongs to Marvel, but also she's out in the world finally 
in the cartoon, in the video game. I think they're going to bring her into the yes. cinematic universe. Oh my God. You know how cute <laughs> that would be to see. I was just thinking that. Oh I was just thinking that. I was like, God, I want to go there. If they could just bring that element, like that would be amazing. Um, and I'm also like, listen, like our future work is not done. And so I'm working on, I had a comic called BB Free that because of the pandemic um, got shut down, canceled. So many comics were lost because of the pandemic. And I'm pitching her as a, a three book series. Um, and so like we are bringing Puerto Rican queer kids into the future by 200 years, right? And they are gonna be living into their eco divine ancestral magic. I'm so excited and for so that. so it is. That's a spell right yes. there. Yes. All right. So I feel like we could talk to you for 75 years, but you know, we should, we should let you live your life. <laughs> yeah, we but, should bring this plane in for a landing. But here. I am just, I do want to ask, I mean, you are an acclaimed writer. Um, you are a storyteller. Where right now in the story of your own life do you find yourself to be? What? <laughs> Ooh, where am I? Um, I'm in an interesting place. I think I am like, not I think, I am definitely ready mm. to be a mother. And so I am in this place where I am working on trying to bring life into this world. My dream is to connect with like a queer man of color, a person of color who is, you know, has sperm um, and wants to make a baby, right? Like that is where I'm at right now. I feel like I have the energy and the abundance to do that. And um, on my altar right now are like intentions for the right donor family, donor person to like come into my world. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, now Brandon's getting all he. I know my biological yeah, clock like say. starts and stops, but that just that just, just got his clock started. Yeah, that just again. restarted it. <laughs> On the next episode, yes. we'll make a baby yes. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, guys. See, this is that comic book. Oh, my God, seriously. <laughs> um, tell the gazers how to find you. Like, give us all your, all your stuff. Oh, yes. The number one way to find me is on Instagram, at yes. Quirky Regan. And you could also find um, Joy Uprising on Spotify, on um, all the podcasting platforms, Connect with your local bookstore and comic shop to find Juliet Takes a Breath in hardcover and in Spanish. And the graphic novel is out now as well. Um, yeah, those are my, that's my little plug for all those things. Um, well, thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with us. We're yeah. so excited and to see what the future brings more, 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 more. Thank you so much, Virtual yes. It has been an honor, a pleasure. Abrazos Thanks, till next love. time. Thank you so much. I just loved everything about that conversation. I felt so nourished by it. It was like one of the most delicious meals of my life. I just was glad that my ulterior motive of just trying to become Gabby Rivera's friend paid off. I'm <laughs> now just going to stalk you, Gabby Rivera, and have you be my friend. Oh my God, totally. You're part, of the, you're part of the fam now. If you're ever in LA, please come stay with us in the alpaca suite. It's already been written. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's just pull a card to conclude our episode here. So you can probably hear me shuffling the cards, which means just send your energy into them. 
and just trusting that you will receive the message that you need no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. And the message we need is contained within... The Nine of Swords, girl. Okay. Okay, so the Nine of Swords is the drama queen card. And the figure is sitting up in bed. She's got her head in her hands. And behind her are these nine long swords. But you can't see the tips of them. And I really think that this is the most important piece of this image, which is that if Pamela Coleman-Smith wanted to have drawn the swords in their entirety, she could have. But what she was suggesting is the thing that we allow to run us in terms of anxiety and fear is beyond our imagining. It's outside of the picture. We can't control it. And so this is an opportunity to really get right with your mind and to get right with anxiety to some degree. Anne Orderly, one of our favorite astrologers, says anxiety and excitement, they feel the same in the body. So if you're feeling anxiety, perhaps you're also feeling excitement about something new, about something you can't control. And so instead of spinning into an old thought pattern about, I can't control it, what's going to happen to me? There's actually the opportunity to lean into like excitement and trust. I don't know what's going to happen. That's exciting. I could go somewhere new. And to not lean into the drama that we're so often fed. Can I just say something? Of course. It feels very akin to our cosmic update earlier of give that mercury over to the sun. Mm, Totally. And the pun in the card is that you can't see the point of the swords. Like that's the thing about anxiety is like you can't see the point of it because it's unknown. So why give your energy over to something that you can't think your way out of? You just have to trust the river that you're in. And I do think that the antidote to too much swords is what we feel. The antidote to nine swords could be nine cups or even nine pentacles in the sense that when the head gets swallowed up, you have to rely on the wisdom of the body or the wisdom of the heart. So if you find yourself freaking out, if you find yourself playing the drama queen in your own little melodrama, take a moment, step to the sidelines, and remember that it's not as bad as you think it is, and that that's just a story, and you can feel into what's true in the moment. And if I can just say for my uh, folks out there who may experience this as like literal panic or anxiety attacks, swords are air. And another element of air is just breathe. Just go to the breath and take some deep ass breaths. Go to that telepop music song, Just Breathe. Still (laughs) so good. Or the Faith Hill song, Breathe. Whichever one moves you. Well, we hope you enjoyed your time with us. We enjoy our time always getting to connect with you. Yeah, even if it is just us. In a room, connecting (laughs) with each other. But I would say more and more, like I feel the spirit of the gazers when we come together and connect. That's why I want to do a live show. Yes. We're putting it together, babies. Yeah. It's going to happen soon. So tune into the Instagrams. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter because we'll certainly talk about it there. 
But until then, you know where to find us at Twitter, Spiritual Gaze, Instagram, The Spiritual Gaze. You can always shoot us an email at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Angel's got all of his playlists on Spotify via The Spiritual Gaze. And you can always find us on our website, right. thespiritualgaze.com. Just go to our website, babies. That's the hot queen. Oh, and if you haven't, just take a moment and rate us five stars or leave a review. This is that moment in the show where we ask you to do that because that shit really helps. Pretty please. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.